Podcast. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westcott demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or Whatever Movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother, Wesley. Today, we're talking a movie from 2022, Oscar award-winning documentary film, Navalny. Were you, like myself, kind of resistant to this one? A little resistant and completely cold. Oscar buzz forces us to watch, I mean, you know, not forces us, but still, I avoided it because it was one of those movies where it's infuriatingly vague. You can't not be cold unless you read the synopsis. Navalny means nothing. It has to be like a city or a person, and I hate those. It's like Morvern Kalar. I still don't know what that's about, and it irks me every time I hear the title. I don't even know what you just said. Morvern Kalnern? Kalar. There's a movie, and I don't know what it is or what it means, so I'm not going to watch it. I was so cold, I thought this was about the New York Naval Academy. <laughs> oh, why? <laughs> because Naval NY. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the pale blue eye, too. I live under a rock. Actually, no, I'm in startup hell. It's so weird, though, too, because we're supposed to know this name. I'm kind of ashamed that I I'd Me never too. heard the name before. It wasn't like, oh, I've heard that. What is that? Nope. Only in the context of the documentary. Me too. I'm ashamed because I walk away from this film feeling like this is very important. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Why is it important? Well, I guess that's a broader philosophical political question. Are politics important? Yes. But are the politics of politics important? Not really, at least not to me. And also, are they applicable to us as Americans? I mean, it's applicable or applicable to freedom of speech and basic human rights and fair elections. I mean, those are all universal social themes. Do you believe that politicians live their jobs and feel the weight of responsibility on their jobs such that should they be put in personal danger or peril that it doesn't matter? Because they would be martyrs for the cause. I'm talking about career politicians, uh, which Navalny not, not wasn't necessarily one. I think he inspired to be. But do you give yourself over like the queen and dedicate your entire life to service? Or is it this is what I do for my day job and then I go home and make jewelry or whatever? <laughs> make jewelry. I mean, he was a family man. He was a lawyer. But Navalny was prepared and willing to be a a martyr. He was, and he was a politician, a, and a considered himself a public servant of Russia. I think there is a difference when it comes to politics. Like people that give their lives over to the craft of filmmaking, or or athletes give their bodies and their peak physical output years to their sport. But none of them are risking their lives. I mean, maybe Daniel Rohrer is the director of Navalny. I think everyone who enabled him or who, who helped him put themselves in danger. Right, which is why his team remains in exile. Yeah, and that's tough. And I wonder to what end. I mean, I wonder if they met their expectation or their desires in doing so. That's what I wondered about Navalny's return to Russia. I mean, that what was his endgame? Yeah, 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 what, yeah. what could it have been other than to be arrested 
And if that was the case, then really, is that a good use of his time? They asked being him, in a prison. Why do you want? Why go back? Because he wants to see that Putin is removed from. He, you know, that he doesn't become a Russian czar, right? But how does his physical presence in Russia help to achieve that? He affected so much change or, or, or at least such effective, you know, sleuthing or detective work determining who poisoned him from afar, from phone calls and social media and stuff. He doesn't need to be there physically. Like he could be the first remotely elected president and the first like reigning or what's the word presiding. I guess that's dumb president on social media like it doesn't i don't know man <laughs> you can't even it's like so far-fetched you can't even finish the sentence oh, God. And, and i really did think that something miraculous was going to happen because of the reverse argo nature of his return like it was so tense him on the plane or whatever mm. heading toward his destiny and i thought man they're really building this up and he's going to clear customs or whatever and be a wild man in russia and he's going to be like loose and underground and dodging and and striking from deep within or whatever and nope they were like come with us sir at the airport if you don't come quietly oh, you'll be forced to use force and so ultimately post navalny the the movie which actually is kind of a while ago because his return was what january 2021 sounds about right so it's already been a couple of years and then the prison sentence he received was i don't have the numbers in front of me but it was something like 18 months to two years but the coda said up to 20 years right because he was convicted then of embezzlement which to my knowledge is his third embezzlement conviction it happened twice before during his early days of, uh, of politics, and he suggested that it was completely fabricated in order to convict him of a felony or the equivalent in Russia that he wouldn't be able to run, that he wouldn't qualify politically to be opposition. Hmm. And so they slapped him with this charge after apprehending him or detaining him, and they put on another nine years, is my understanding. Which seems like such a waste. I mean, this is what makes Navalny a real life story in a documentary as opposed to a political thriller or maybe a political farce, depending on how you look at it. The fact that he is basically wasting away from hunger strikes in prison. Yeah, it's not. We're missing something. It's not. He's crazy and he's going to you know, martyr himself and, and et, et cetera. There's something else happening because everyone else understands. His entire team kind of expected that, that was going to happen. What wife would let her husband go back into an uncertain fate like that? Hey, we're still married. See you in 20 years. There was no there was no resistance. There was no free solo level of kind of gentle attempted coercion or anything like that. Like Yulia saying, please, let's not go back. Yes. She just dutifully followed him and was at his side and smiled and gave statements when he was detained and wasn't like, there goes my, my life, basically, because she was in exile with him. She cared for him during his convalescence or his illness or poisoning. And then she went with him back. And now he's, I mean, is she working alongside with the team? Yulia is playing as much a role as Navalny does, right? She has a certain look and a demeanor. She's a loyal wife and a political strategist in her own right. What she's doing now, the film leaves us a little bit to our imagination. I imagine she's being a mother and carrying the torch to the extent that she can, probably fighting for his release. But that's just 
conjecture what Navalny could be doing in, in jail. We, we got a glimpse of that he's gaunt and behind bars. I mean, a mind, a strategic mind like his must be going crazy. Uh, is that state-issued footage, or did they, like, oh, look, we're doing the documentary. Can we at least show a shot of him in prison? And they're like, okay. Where did that footage <laughs> come no from? Idea. I have no idea. How many YouTube hits do you think he's getting on his daily daily posts and blogs now? Um, his daily posts, his non-existent daily right, posts exactly. and blogs or, from or, jail? Or TikTok or whatever the kids are doing these days. He could have been doing so much. Like his presence would have been zero diminished. It's not like he has a platform on national television or something under Putin-controlled media. He was the hard-hitting flatbed truck yelling with a megaphone in the snow to people guy, grassroots door knocker guy or whatever. I don't know the term. And so, yeah, he has rallies that look good on film, despite the fact that there's like 50 people in attendance, right, who would scurry away at the first sound of sirens or authorities, you know? Hmm. It's so frustrating. It's very frustrating. If you genuinely believe that Navalny is doing something good, it's very frustrating to think about him being behind bars and basically rendered useless or irrelevant. And I do think that the filmmakers go through great pains to legitimize Navalny throughout the course of this film. At the beginning, they kind of give a little leeway that this guy might be kind of just a wacko. And they talk about some of his early political days and being alongside political leaders who are Nazis. I mean, <laughs> it's, that's not a good look. But then over the course of the film, I really felt myself beginning to align with Navalny and his team, especially as they start to crack the case on how he was poisoned, and they do it in such a spectacular way. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that 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 real-time footage of the call is Oscar-worthy in and of itself. I agree. It was maybe the best single scene in a documentary I've ever seen. It was astounding. Lightning in a bottle. So Daniel Rohr says about that moment, he's filming, right? And they're doing a thing, and it had been a day of phone calls of this type. We saw several. And he said he didn't speak a word of Russian. So they're shooting it and they're watching the dude and he's like doing all those great reactions, those face, like hands to his face and Christo? stuff. Christo? No idea. Oh, Christo can't handle so, it. So Daniel Rohr is reading the temperature in the room and he knows something amazing is happening, has no idea what's happening because he can't speak up. So he's filming and Maria's jaw hits the floor and stuff and they've got a thing and all he's thinking is just keep shooting. Didn't even know what was happening. The power of subtitles. Oh, wow. Daniel Rohr is dark, as in the dark as we would have been yep. without the magic of subtitles. Oh, my God. I'd like to go back, and there's no way to recreate seeing that for the first time, but I'd like to go back and just watch it with the subtitles off. <laughs> just, I mean, can you? You have to obscure the bottom of the screen? Yeah, I guess I just have to physically manually block them but or is the scene like memeable <laughs> you can just write whatever subtitles you want you, st <laughs> you start down the path right and you don't know what's going to happen and i didn't think they would get as far as they would i thought their success was when he's doing the character or whatever and he's <laughs> when he started to catch wind or get wind of what was happening mikhail was on the phone and navalny says mikhail is this you and there's a pause, and he goes, no, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
And I thought that was the triumphant moment where it's so obvious. Uh, like, we've got him scared now. Not an out-and-out out admission or an indictment, right? <laughs> you mean because at the beginning of the conversation, he's like, hey, is this Macau? He's like, right? yeah, hey, what's up? And, and this is a, a kind of, this is the kind of thing that a, it, it, I mean, is it detective work? I don't know. It's just headlong, like always being in front of a camera, social media type of awareness, of cleverness, of just, I, we have a number. Why not call it? Let's give it a shot. Live on air. Let's see what happens. I don't know. It seems like other people wouldn't be so bold as to expose themselves because they can't put on a different voice or something. Well, the prank call scene might have seemed spontaneous, but it was obviously well rehearsed. I mean, and Christo kind of points to that when he's like switched the other script or like try the other tactic. You know, they had this pretty well planned out. And if and if anything, the the perpetrators, the what was it? FSB team yeah. aided in the character development of M Navalny. They were like the poisoner guy was like, he's very calculating. He never does anything without it being strategic. There's no extraneous moves on his part. He's very calculating. Like, I think that that was an important part of the character development, even if it came from the opposition side. I agree. It also legitimized them as people that it wasn't just voices on the phone or I don't know. He called us on Tuesday. We killed him on Thursday or tried to, you know, it was the people that had been following him for a long time. He was their opponent, albeit ignorant of that. They knew him really well. And I, to look at him, I wonder how, like if people give you a compliment and you're like, wait, where do you get that from? I wonder if Navalny was like, am I like shrewd and cunning and calculating? Am I careful? <laughs> he certainly didn't seem to disagree with it. No. But he had bigger things to tend to. Nah, bro, that ain't me. <laughs> that would have been, no. I was I was like somehow relieved that he ended the call without exposing himself. Uh, yeah, but also for all of Maria's saying, you know, we got to protect him. It's our duty to let him know because he's not going to be safe after this. That dude's gone. He disappeared. They haven't heard from him since. Yeah. I mean, they could have called him right back, even off camera, and be like, run for your life, we got you. He didn't serve any other purpose. He was the hand executing the orders. And it's not like they had anything to lose by exposing themselves after his incriminating, you know, testimony. But man, did you note, too, that these journalists who had to kind of play world-class sleuths to uncover what happened to Navalny, as much as they talked about how crappy and secretive it was, that these assassins or would-be assassins would go on the black market and get phone records and get all this information to track him down, his flight itineraries and things. They also used right. black market means to get the phone numbers of the people that they were trying to get on tape. Yeah, dark web. He spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars obtaining dark web intel. Man. It's so Snow Crash and like Neil Stevenson. You, did you read Snow Crash? I did read. <laughs> I don't remember dark web stuff. I think I remember uh, like snowboarding or skateboarding and, and, and katanas. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think his whole profession was like he sold intel, like dark web intel. I mean, it's, uh, it's fun for the whole family. It's useful when you need it. But I get the sense that in political Russia, it may be just a fact of life. It may be just another means by which you obtain information or uh, intel, and you've got to use it 
if you're going to be on equal footing with the enemy. I mean, both political parties in this case, Putin and his opposition in Navalny, they were both sort of radicalized by necessity. Like Putin was shady and like kill that dude and uses all these means to kind of suppress his opposition before he can even become a legitimate threat. And at the same time, that forces Navalny to be kind of to use the tools at his to his advantage that Putin doesn't access. You know, he doesn't have a, a worldwide YouTube presence or whatever. Right. So does the mission kind of justify the means that Putin's perpetrating crimes and Navalny and team are using maybe unorthodox means to expose those crimes? Yeah, it's just so clear that the generational differences and the approaches to their platforms, it, it was noteworthy. Like how the two opposing forces apply right? Like their strategies? Yeah. And it's why I wonder why he went back to the stronghold in the first place until they got him out. And until I don't I don't know, frankly, why they released him. Maybe Putin thought the uh, it would improve the optics. But he they were like, OK, take him. And they squirreled him away to Germany, I think it was. Mm -hmm. But Yulia is is outside. They won't let her, her get to the room. They had no clue. How did they know that the doctors, it wouldn't be a Kill Bill situation? How did they know he was safe in the hospital for any amount of they time? They didn't. I mean, he was definitely vulnerable. It was so bizarre that they didn't kill him in the hospital, but they were definitely like laundering their crime. Except that it was so apparent. I guess they didn't anticipate that he would survive or he wouldn't get like a team to help him. Yeah, the whole time, like, I, oh, I don't know if he's going to make it. I don't know. Obviously, he made it, but I wondered how they pulled that off. I thought there was going to be some Mission Impossible style uh, rescue operation, but it, it, it wasn't. They just let him out. That's the the narrative version of Navalny. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, this is a political documentary and you're like, Meh, like on the weekend or whatever, when I'm like, we got to watch a movie. Kelly Ray is like, OK, if you got to. Nothing about this screamed, you know, intrigue and, and, and rescues and guns and stuff. And, and it wasn't, but it seemed like it could have been. The movie version will be. I'm so out of politics. I really can't speak. <laughs> I just don't feel equipped to speak intelligently about the subject matter of Navalny. Do you think maybe we should talk about the filmmaking of, of Navalny? I mean, sure, because I think this was meant to be accessible on a basic level, on, as you said, a human level, as opposed to we didn't need cards briefing us on the history or a timeline of Russian politics. Mm. You know, on a human level where they don't want their main subject to have angry eyes during his main interview. <laughs> It's true. He's a little bit crazy looking, but what are you going to do? <laughs> I just thought the media training was hilarious. Like, you just, you know, look a little friendlier. Yeah, and it definitely had his sort of, he know he understands, I think, what his social media presence needs to or should be. And I think that kind of evoked the kind of where he would like give a sly grin. And he understands that the way he looks is important. And he it brought out some more personality in him, gave him a mm. chance to be funny and relatable and not such a stiff, you know, dead eyes to the camera type. So this is intended to be accessible. It's intended to be entertaining, not unlike Navalny's own social media presence. And it's intended to expose the corruption in Russia, or at least Russian politics, in a way that is undeniable. Pretty affecting. I feel like it was JFK without the headshot. Wasn't the poisoning, the Novacek, kind of the headshot? Oh, no, he didn't die. 
I mean, right. uh, Kennedy was hit at least once through the neck and he's like holding his throat. He might have survived if not for the headshot. And Navalny was mm. definitely hurt. But the resulting investigation, at least by them, I don't know who would have headed up Kennedy's team, but it seemed like it seemed almost deliberate. They're like, Novichok, that's Putin's thing. You know, it's so clear that it would be him. Like a typical citizen can't get it. Uh, they put it in his underpants, for God's sake. How did they... It just seemed like the trail was so clear that it almost felt deliberate on Putin's part. It's like when the gangster shoots the dude and leaves it like, Tony Caputo says hello and like drops a card on the body, you know? <laughs> the wet bandits turn the, the right? faucet on. Yeah. Was it deliberate or was it Moscow 4? Yeah, I don't know. And they were dumb because they're hired muscle or goons. But just the application seemed like, should it come up under scrutiny, it would be very clear. And it seems like it was. And I admired their sleuthing or their willingness to get in front of the camera and get on the phone and, and, and figure it out. But they kept saying, like, this isn't like crazy detective work. It's obvious it was Putin. It was so obvious that either Putin left the breadcrumb trail, which I can't really understand what the motive would be there, or the secondary theme of this film which i think is that they're just kind of dumb or they're so maybe they're so narcissistic that they don't even that they don't think they'll get caught or they're above getting caught because on a number of occasions they illustrate at least why the navalny team thinks that russian politicians are dumb that they use the same poison that they use to poison other people that they they leave their traces they put poison in his underpants like that's just right. And this is an assumption, of course, that Putin is a, a supervillain sitting in, a, in the top uh, spire of the Kremlin and, and yelling at people, the hand, like the armies, the waves of Mordor, to track down and kill Navalny. But I'm not sure right. if Putin has it all orchestrated. I'm not sure if he's hatching plans with blueprints and diagrams and, and chemistry sets on his big desk. I'm pretty sure he was like, how, how do we kill people? And they were like, Novacek. And he said, do it. That's not a Russian accent. Stop it. Don't you think it makes him, it makes Putin look weaker to refuse to say Navalny's name, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And that's just outright stubbornness. The man who is imprisoned in Brazil. The man who shall not be named. Yeah, the person in question at the thing in Berlin or whatever. You know that during right. the making of Blade, Wesley Snipes insisted that people call him Blade. And then at one point, he disagreed with what the director wanted him to do. And it was a scene where he's on a table, like being operated on or something. And so he opens his eyes suddenly and starts to fight or something. And he refused to open his eyes. He's like, I'm not going to do it. It's like all petulant. And then so they had to digitally open his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> It just, this, this like weird petulance where it, it's more noticeable than anything. Yes, I think it's, it, it, it makes him less effective. Putin is, he might be in poor health. He's like a Kim Jong-un, really reclusive, secretive kind of guy because he's, uh, is it, what's the term? An oligarch? Yeah. What, he, he was more favorably perceived before Ukraine, which has been over a year now. But he was like the grizzly bear riding, machine gun toting. He was like the Trump of Russia. And because like, oh, our president is soft and like weak bodied or whatever. And they showed Putin like shirtless and stuff. And he was like kind of muscular. It's a weird, like a position, a physical stature equates to power in people's minds, which is why Trump is all buff in his NFTs. 
But huh. even still, they said, you know, at one point, I think it was a media outlet that said Navalny was a handsome, young, would-be politician or presidential candidate. And I was like, that dude, he's handsome? I guess. Maybe in Russia, he's the bomb. I think he's objectively handsome. I mean, he's tall. He's got the square jaw with the bonus dimple in the chin. <laughs> You know, the blue eyes. At the very least, he has a charismatic video presence. And he's got Porsches and beautiful homes, or at least beautiful places from which he works. As for his work bases, he has a beautiful wife. This and is a, not my beautiful wife. How did I get here? And I think he's got decent enough looks to make a great documentary subject. And while he might be green in the political arena, he has a center, a moral center. He has a conscience. Because in Germany, it's somebody's apple. When she, when Julia is like, I'm going to pick that apple and eat it. And he's like, that's somebody's apple. Oh, right. Especially in Germany, that's somebody's apple. I'm saying these like aspects of personality make him likable, relatable. Everything that Putin in his iron reinforced concrete tower isn't. Even him apologizing to the film crew for telling Daniel to F off was somehow humanizing. Because you're thinking about this guy who's got cameras in his face 24-7. Like, that's got to get tiresome after a while, right? And you're like, no, he's a machine and he understands the power of social media. But no, he is a dude who every once in a while is like, get that camera out of my face. Oh, I'm sorry I said that. I just needed some time. Yeah, no, I get it. He gets tired and he has to go to the bathroom and stuff. But the cameras, <laughs> I always thought, were an added level of protection, was insulation. And it really isn't. Like, he, you know, mm. maybe he won't be shot immediately in the airport, but they can come up and like quietly detain him. And then say, you know, if you resist, then that's a legitimate crime we can pin on you and then we can take you away by force. Mm -hmm. oh, it seemed like he makes use of the media and the cameras as much as he can, but it doesn't help him. What doesn't help him? Being being behind bars or the cameras? Yeah, no, I mean, now look where he is. He was surrounded by crews, had all the cameras. He had all the attention on him possible. There were, you know, throngs of people getting arrested for the audacity of showing up to get a glimpse of Navalny. And I kept thinking, you know, that's two cops hauling away that lady or whatever on the street. That's two cops less effective. The force is going to be in apprehending Navalny. But it, it didn't matter. Didn't matter who was there to cheer for him or whatever. They were going to haul him away because he was crazy and courting his fate in a grizzly man kind of way. It's like grizzly man of Russia. He just. <laughs> this whole discussion, I've been bracing myself for your your personal comparison to Alexei Navalny. Mine? The dude is exactly 28 days older than I am. He's in a completely different space. Um, he's achieved conceivably far more than i have who wins alexi good job mucking it all up because i probably won't be in prison for the next up to 20 years do you think what alexi navalny is doing is important i think what he's doing is important yes because he's the only person who has a shot at either uncovering the dark underbelly of, of Russian politics for the world, or at the very least, to have to preserve some level of democracy so that Putin isn't president for another hundred years. Is it important? Yeah. To keep the spirit of being active, fighting, and not passive alive in Russia. In the young, the spirit of truth marches on. Is that JFK? Yes. I'm saying that he, like the grizzly man, was in a place he shouldn't be and escaped with his life just barely and then decided to go back and go back and go back until it bit him in the ass. 
That was a Timothy Treadwell metaphor? Yeah. Is Navalny, the film, important? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm deflecting. Because, like you, I can say, I don't know enough about this, this situation to make an informed opinion. I don't know. Is it important? Sure. But it let's just say it doesn't put any more faith in Navalny on my part that his dumb ass went back to Russia. Didn't you see White Knights? You don't go back. A questionable choice, to be sure. I'd like to believe that Navalny and team have a strategy for his time in prison and that he won't just waste away as a martyr. I don't think Alexei Navalny's story is over. And I do think that Navalny, the documentary, has a chance to reach an audience because it's entertaining and effective and crafted in a way that is that can deliver a message in a way that people can receive it. It did deliver me a message. I was really concerned about how boring it was going to be, and then it really wasn't. I was just frustrated frustrated by the end, but maybe that's because I was emotionally invested. I agree. It's got a real shot. My rating for Navalny is good. I walked away with a vague feeling of sickness and a little bit like I wanted to go and practice juggling and fight the fight. Then that's all he's asking of us and the people of Russia. And your final rating is? I give it an all right rating. Navalny surprised me because I didn't know what it was about. And I, I didn't think there would be something so memorable about it that I would think about it every day since I've seen it. And it definitely has that scene. And it's astounding. And I think a strangely curious, compelling tale about a real life person who maybe has a shot and maybe mucked it up. I wonder if we should feel vaguely unsafe for releasing this discussion. Nope. How far does the arm of the Russian intelligence reach? I guess we'll find out. And that's our discussion on Navalny, Academy Award-winning documentary film available on HBO Max if you enjoyed this discussion. Check out 200-plus other reviews at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts. And how you say goodbye in Russian? Vladivostok. For reals? No. And Svidanya. And Svidanya. And dos Svidanya. <laughs> A.K.A. goodbye. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA.